Out of the bullpen, out of the mound, it is our number two of Sports Talk. Evan Kahn is here with me, Scott Beatty. Coming up, it'll be Dan Hartlib, Illinois baseball coach, as we are getting close to the MLB draft. Get his thoughts on that. Prospects for Cole Kershipper, maybe some other Illini as well, and the impact of conference expansion in the world of college baseball. Not coming up, despite a uh, interesting suggestion on the text line, Bill Walton. He's not a guest today. One of our texters said that he'd be a great guest to give a perspective on UCLA, the Conference of Champions. Uh, phone calls have gone unreturned so far. We'll, we'll we'll check on it again. Gives us 25 months to secure that. So maybe maybe by August of 2024, when UCLA officially joins the Big Ten, maybe we can work something out. I mean, of all the people that might come on, <laughs> that would be him. Um, I might be the last sports talk we ever do, too. <laughs> no, no. Are you kidding? It would be our highest rated oh, sports I know. talk. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, all kinds of things going on here. Last hour, Lauren Tate and I talked with Scott Docterman, uh, gave us some insight on this expansion, and he feels like the Big Ten is done expanding uh, maybe for a while, unless, unless it's Notre Dame. Otherwise, they're going to stay at 16. It's an expansion of one or zero. Um, it's felt like... Notre Dame, what they decide may determine other things, mm-hmm. but how Scott Docterman was looking at it, I'm hearing more, is it's either Notre Dame or it's nobody. And it's not Notre Dame and then maybe four more. Which which makes sense to me and has kind of always made sense, although an odd number, uh, I don't know about that. Maybe they would explore adding one more if Notre Dame reconsidered, but by all indications, you, you can't wait around for Notre Dame to make a decision to stay independent. So operating in, in that circumstance, yeah, no reason to just go and add a Washington or an Oregon. Um, I never really saw the the whole value in, in, in either of those, unless you were just looking to make a, a super conference in 20 or, or 22 teams for it. So the 16 that they got, that's not too bad. And maybe now they, they can – Settle in things as they go to the negotiation table, and we'll have a, a TV deal here uh, around week 1A. <laughs> you refuse to call it. Yeah, you refuse yeah. to call it week zero. Uh, some of the other things going on, you, you heard it in the Fox Sports update, Charlie Montoyo, Charlie Montoyo let go by the Jays, who are above 500 in a, in a tough, tough division, but are underperforming compared to their expectations (laughs) if any other american league teams maybe in the central (laughs) division happen to be listening very very shocking decision um reading i don't know specifics and i don't know if they've really been released but it sounds like there was tension in the clubhouse it 
uh, although they've underperformed, they are currently tied for a, a playoff spot as it stands at, at 86 games or, or so. But uh, Mark Shapiro, that's just kind of how he's operated ever since he's been with when he was with the Indians, now with the Blue Jays. Pretty cutthroat, the, although Toronto's not a, a small market team. They know when you've got the biggest payroll in team history, you've got to go all in and, and everything wasn't how they they thought it should be operating with Charlie Montoya, so they make a, a bold move, and we'll see if it'll pay off for them. Otherwise, it's just folks waiting around for Argonauts season. <laughs> oh, that's the, that's the football. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I I know that, but I don't know that. Yeah, I'm you know, just big Argonaut fans up. There. Huge, huge, <laughs> huge. Uh, speaking of uh, MLB, Julio Rodriguez is become a sensation out in Seattle. He is going to be in the Home Run Derby. I, the Home Run Derby is it's fluff. I don't really it's fine. It's fun to watch, uh, but I don't really get wrapped up in it. But this is an interesting note that I saw. Julio Rodriguez born December 29th, 2000. Mhm. Is he the first 2000s baby? <sighs> I don't know. It doesn't say that. I uh, think he would be. Uh but he is 94, that's 94 days, December 29th, 2094 days before the debut, the debut of, Albert. of Albert Pujols. <laughs> <laughs> it's, They're both going to be in the home run derby. <laughs> you love to see it, uh, just the, the, the spread of generations. And baseball, there's the few, you know, Dirk, Kobe, Tim Duncan guys that stick around 18, 20 years. But baseball's really one of the few sports that lends itself to, to players playing 20 years so that you can get folks like that who are born in the same, you know, breath as guys making their debut. But Julio Rodriguez getting a, a lot of early Ken Griffey Jr. comps, although he hits from the right side, and I think he's a little more raw than uh, Griffey was just so smooth with, with everything he did. But they're, they're getting the, the young stars in the home run derby, which is something that that's they've always done well. You don't get wrapped up in it. I still think it's the best all-star event there is in, in all of sports. When, when you think about it, the slam dunk competition isn't what it used to be in the NFL Pro Bowl events. I mean, does anybody even really watch that no. so uh for for the home run derby to to have young and old and be able to to draw in as many eyes as possible it's good yeah the, and the the nba has done a good job of making a big party mm -hmm. uh, I, I think in a better way than baseball does uh, the game itself is the game is what it is yeah but that's kind of the same as the baseball all-star game but you know the home run derby is at, that is probably the most non-all-star game event watched of any of the sports oh yeah and maybe the three-point contest or the slam dunk contest is probably going to be slam dunk contest but no, nobody remembers any of that stuff some people do remember i remember what <laughs> that home run derby and the show that so-and-so put on and all that kind of stuff so that's it is what it is uh i i think the players would secretly not not want to do it uh there was a time when somebody <laughs> says that you got a million dollars on the line for playing four runs a home run derby uh yeah the guys want to play oh, a million dollars is still a million dollars no matter who you are <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> all right the cardinals get the dodgers tonight uh, both teams are uh well i'd say the dodgers are 
I'm sorry, the Cardinals are warm right now, not hot. But they've won three in a row. They're they're bandaged up. They're limping along. Uh, Steven Matz is probably going to make a start before the All-Star game, uh, the All-Star break. That would be huge. Of course, they won't have uh, Flaherty for a while. And, you know, they got to get another piece. So they're kind of we're kind of starting to get on a watch. Are the Cardinals going to add a starting pitcher? Probably a three, four kind of level guy from somewhere. Um, And the White Sox are colossally underachieving. Just they (laughs) kind of they made something out of nothing yesterday after splitting that series in Cleveland. They will play tonight and you will hear it at 6 p.m. here on DWS they start their series no they're still in Cleveland tomorrow they go to Minnesota uh, you'll hear that here uh, at six o'clock at the top of the hour and uh, the Cubs who, who the Cubs have where did my the go? hottest team in baseball Baltimore yeah. that's right maybe not a new team I'm thinking what 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 could you possibly have against Baltimore been the doormat of the AL East <laughs> for years well uh, they wear orange that's a nice color they have great history with Ripken and uh, Frank Robinson, Brooks Robinson, and Earl Weaver, and, and, and all that stuff. Camden Yards. So I'm saying go O's. I mean, not against the Cubs. I'm you're, just saying in general. Oh, you're, uh, I'll you get on that bandwagon. You wouldn't be wrong there, but uh, all those things that you listed were before the 2000s, right? Camden Yard was built by ripkin and what he did before that weaver all, all those guys and and you know this is just like deep baseball lore but i mean going back jim bowden who writes for the athletic there was uh, a reason why he's no longer a gm is because he was doing undercut deals with some 14 year olds and, and the way that they run well, their... every franchise has its ugly side yeah yeah so there if you wanted to find reasons you you could dislike the the orioles but that was really the first time i think i caught them on a sunday uh game on peacock that they have but that was the first time i'd watched them they really picked the ball really well across the field their infield is just insane they were making plays left and right last night and they've just got a a young energy to them and a former cubs coach and brandon hyde is their manager um and he suffered through 200 lost seasons and sometimes you don't even make it past that and they they make a transition but nice for him to to see them make it finally over 500 i think for the first time since 2019 2018 it's been a a long time coming they are 17 and a half games out of first place and they're 500 yeah they're 17 and a half games out of first place and they're 500 and out of the wild card spot a wild card spot they're two games out Mm -hmm. (laughs) the the al east runs the american league Uh, maybe the astros have a little something to to say about it but yeah Yeah, seattle's won nine in a row too they they are looking better even without a a couple of guys and you know that they're going to make moves at, at some point but the american league east is doing some historical stuff Dan Hartlett will join us coming up. We'll talk some uh, baseball with him. I think some more big picture stuff as well as, uh, you know, know, with the draft and the conference expansion and impact on on the non-revenue sports, as they are called. Big 12 media days today for football and uh, Mike Gundy. Asking why Texas and Oklahoma (laughs) were allowed in, in the business meetings. He's asking that only somewhat. 
tongue and cheek. Illinois has not yet announced its student representatives for media days coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll learn that soon enough. And still waiting on a basketball schedule as well. Any other big uh, headlines today that we have to mention? The You heard it in Fox Sports. The Royals, 10 guys aren't going up to Canada. They're unvaccinated. I Michael was, Massey's at AAA. I was trying mm, to, to read and figure it out. I, I can't remember exactly what list those guys go to. And if... Restricted Folks, list. Right, but I think it's a different kind of restricted list because there's uh, they're all over the place because guys who get COVID get put on this restricted list, but then you can bring up anybody. They don't even have to be on the 40-man. But if a guy is suspended and put on the restricted list, then it's got to be a 40-man and, and all that. So there's different rules, but it does sound like there's an opening, maybe, possibly, if they finesse the rules. Back with Coach Hartlib after this. You've got sports talk on this Wednesday. Coming up this weekend, the Major League Baseball Draft. Here to talk about that and more with us, Illini baseball coach Dan Hartlib on the line. Dan, good to hear from you. Hope your summer's going well. Yeah, everything's been going well. Uh, you know, some enjoyable parts of summer, and then a lot of things. Uh, you know, we need to to get finished or or tied up over the summer. Uh, you know, very interesting now with not only the draft to deal with, but the transfer portal and NIL. Just uh, you know, it's, all, it's basically a whole new world for us. So, uh, an interesting summer, but uh, enjoying it so far. Well, let's start with the uh, the draft and a, a nice feature on Cole Kershipper was put out yesterday uh, through the social media channels for Illinois Athletics and Illinois Baseball and obviously he's the top draft draft prospect going into this weekend going into his Sunday so uh, how do you like the chances for Cole and and what is in store for him in a pro career well I uh, first of all I, I really enjoyed uh, Cole's time here with us you know, just a, a great athlete, but uh, he's a great human being, is a great human being, and you know, did, did everything the right way and, and did a good job in the classroom. So you know, we'll, uh, we'll miss him uh, if he gets the, the correct opportunity, and uh, you know, I'm confident that he will. You know, my, my thoughts as far as the draft, I think you could see him go anywhere the third through the eighth round. Uh, sometimes you know, we live in a bubble and, and think that, uh, you know, the only drafted players are the ones in our general area or the ones that we see uh, that we play. But you have to compare him to everybody across the country, and and you have to compare him to not only high school players but college players. And so there's a lot that goes into the draft. But uh, I, I think, you know, Cole will continue to improve. Uh, he made great strides each and every year that he was at Illinois. thought our pitching coach, uh, Mark Allen, did such a great job with him. Uh, and Cole was, you know, eager to learn and, and made adjustments, uh, and it's going to pay off for him in the draft. I, I would think he's probably a day two type draft, as I talked about before. And uh, as he continues to improve, I think he has a chance to move. And yeah, he's a he's a left hander, and those guys, uh, you know, there's there's not a lot of great left handers out there, and the ones that uh, can get guys out on a regular basis, they move in a hurry. 
a couple of other guys are draft eligible. Are you expecting any others to to go? Well, I would think Justin Janis uh, will be a draft. Yeah, he's shown uh, for a couple years and, and through the summers that, that uh, you know he's making consistent contact and you know, just a quality hitter. Uh, he's gone out to the Cape this summer and done a really good job there, and that's going to raise his stock. Uh, the the I would say the knock on him at this point, uh, being a first baseman, is the fact that he hasn't shown great power, but he's con- continually um, upgraded himself in that area. And I think three years down the line, you know, he'll start showing some power numbers as he learns a little bit more about hitting and as he matures and, and gets stronger. Uh, you know, much like Michael Massey's done, he's he's continued to get stronger and learn more about the game and and uh, you know gotten a lot more at bats and and has really improved. And I see that with Justin Janis as well. And then I think Jacob Campbell, uh, you know, he's a premium defender when you look at his throwing ability. And, uh, and I've seen some clips of him and some of the things that he's done out of Cape Cod this summer. And he's shown uh, good power at times. And, and uh, I saw uh, a video clip of him hitting balls with the Green Monster uh, you know, during the All-Star break uh, with Cape Cod League uh, in, you know, out in Boston. So you know, those three guys, I think, have separated themselves from the pack as far as with our program. And uh, I expect all three of them will get an opportunity to, to go on and play professionally this year. Hey, Dan, this is Evan. I'm sure as you get closer to the draft and even throughout the year, you're talking to clubs as they're asking questions to you about players. You tend to, to have a good feel about who's looking at who about this time. And is that where you, you get the idea of who you think is going to be drafted? You know, it's really interesting, and, and that's a really good question, it, it, and it's all over the board. Uh, you know, we, we have some good friends in scouting, and, and uh, you know, I even talked to a, a general manager a couple of days ago uh, that asked me some questions. Uh, and so some teams really dig and do their homework and talk to the coaches, and then there's other teams and organizations and scouts that, that you don't hear anything from. Uh, and, and I've always uh, been amazed with that. I you know, from my standpoint, you know, we know so much about the players because we basically lived with them for four years, and uh, you know we've watched them grow and, and know what their habits are, both on and off the field, and know what their work ethics like, and you know what type of teammate they are, and how coachable they are, and those are all very important uh, factors when you look at someone's success or lack of success. Uh, you know, both in the working world and you know when you get into professional professional baseball, that is you know, kind of uh, the working world because it's a job for those guys. Um, so uh, to go back to your question, we, we hear from some of those people and uh, other ones, you know, don't dig quite as deep. So it's all, it's all over the board. Yeah, that sounds about right. As we were discussing last segment, you, you just never know with these organizations. Everybody operates a, a little differently. And, and I want to touch on, on the video that Illinois Baseball put on their Twitter last night. Re- really good. A lot of information there on Cole. I was just wondering, you guys talking about uh, Mark Allen and yourself, 
Cole Kershipper's uh, fastball upticking, you know, somewhere six, eight, nine miles an hour. Is that more than we've seen in the past? As we heard Mark talking on the video uh, about changing some things, is there more emphasis on getting more ticks on your fastball? And did you see Cole grow more maybe than you thought you would have in the past? We always hope that guys will grow from a velocity standpoint. Uh, you know, velocity is important, uh, but you have to be able to pitch with that velocity, and, and that's something that Cole really made some strides from his sophomore year to his junior year. Uh, sophomore year, you know, there's some higher ticks from a velocity standpoint, but um, it was also new to him. He didn't have a great feel for it yet and, and made more mistakes than he did then this, this uh, past year as a junior. Uh the reason velocity is so important is you have less reaction time. And, um, you know, you, you start looking at spin rate and higher spin rates, it's, the ball rides a little bit and it's much more difficult to hit. So there are a lot of things that, that go into pitchers being successful. Uh, there has to be some deception there. You have to, uh, you know, be able to pitch. And when I say pitch, you have to be able to locate different pitches. And you have to throw multiple pitches for a strike. Uh, you know, Cole did a great job. Uh, of not only developing the fastball, but developing a good changeup. Uh, and when you have to worry about that speed differential, it makes your fastball that much better just from a, a mental and a hitting standpoint. And then the breaking ball, uh, for him, he's kind of been his third pitch. It's a thing that uh, still needs to improve the most, but he's made tremendous strides with that. Uh, you know, again, it's, it comes down to Cole did a great job of working, understanding, uh, you know, really grinding in some areas to, to get better both physically and mentally. And, you know, each and every player has those opportunities. It's just which ones are capable of, of uh, making those strides and, and making those jumps and which ones are willing to, you know, to be coached in certain areas and, and really buy in. And so, you know, Cole, again, he did a great job of making the adjustments and doing all the things that Coach Allen had worked with him on and, you saw some major jumps. Just, you know, really, really proud of what uh, uh, Kirsch has, has accomplished to this point and looking forward to seeing what he does the rest of his career. Dan Hartley, Illini baseball coach, joining us here on Sports Talk. Dan, you're the first um, non-basketball or non-football coach that we've had a chance to talk to since the conference expansion news came out. So what are you expecting the impact is for Illinois baseball and Big Ten baseball? Is Are the UCLA Bruins coming to Illinois field for a three-game series on a regular basis? You know, I'm laughing because when you make uh, these types of moves, you know, across the country, you have football and basketball in mind uh, and, and the media revenue and, you know, the different markets. And so – you know, most people have talked about football and basketball, and, and I think uh, everyone, including you know, athletic departments and athletic directors, I don't want to say they're in the dark on the other sports, but um, those things haven't been discussed, I don't think, and, and everyone's kind of in the dark. And so there's a lot of work to do over the next couple of years to figure out uh, you know, how things will take place and, and how things will unfold. Uh, you know, you you look at the conference and you look at what's happening in football and basketball and they talk about divisions and different types of things. Well, it's not that simple in baseball because we have an odd number of teams, so it's very difficult to go to divisions. Uh, we have an odd number because Wisconsin does not have baseball. And so we're going to have different 
things that we need to look at. Uh, will UCLA be coming here? Absolutely. I hope them and USC are here the first weekend of the year. Every year so they have to come play <laughs> in some of the some of the cold weather. That that would be perfect. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. It, it, it's a great addition. Uh, both coaches are very very well respected. Uh, John Savage at UCLA has had great success. He's got a great program. He's a very, very good baseball person, and uh, it's going to be good to have uh, him as an addition. And then one of my friends, uh, Andy Stankwich, just uh, was hired at USC, and he'll really get that program going. He's a former uh, big leaguer that uh, coached in the Yankee organization. Uh, been at Grand Canyon a number of years and done an outstanding job there. Uh, we, we brought in two high-quality coaches and, and very good programs, and it's going to elevate uh, you know, the, the play in the Big Ten. So I'm looking forward to them being a part of us. But it does sound like it was uh, problems. We recognize there's problems, challenges, whatever you want to call them, to be solved, and we'll get to those later because – this was, you know, I think, I don't think it's nobody's, nobody's under any other delusion that this was a football driven decision, of course, but you add two um, high pedigree programs like that, it, it can be good for baseball. I, I absolutely think so. And, and yeah, you know, like we talked about uh, and you stated, it's, it's driven by football and basketball and, and uh, those TV contracts. And, uh, you know, the, the more revenue that we have, uh, the more opportunity we have to continue to upgrade uh, all the sports, and, and uh, you'll see you know, somewhat of a trickle-down effect, and I'm excited about that. Um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing, you know, what happens in the future. Do do we expand more? If we do, where do we expand? And, uh, you know, what what will administrations be willing to do to, you know, help some of the sports uh, compete against some of these good teams coming in? I mean, there's just a lot of things uh, that are out there that are yet to be solved, and you know a lot of things that uh, people have to think through and work through. And our athletic director group—they're uh, very intelligent. They've done a great job uh, to get us to this point. You know, we've had great leadership, I think, from the, the presidents and the chancellors uh, to get us to this point. And you know, you're putting the big the Big Ten in a position uh, to weather the storm and be successful long term. And you know, I am. I'm excited about that uh, because, you know, you, you always want your, your programs to, to play at the highest level and compete with very good teams, and that helps prepare you for NCAA tournaments and winning national championships. So everything that's happened, um, it wasn't shocking to me, not a surprise. And, again, I'm excited about it. With adding two teams like that coming off a year where the Big Ten only got a pair of teams into March. Do you think this helps the perception around the league, obviously a, a couple years down the road, but when these teams get added to the Big Ten, will that help it in the selection process for other Big Ten teams? Well, I think so. Uh, the, the, I mean, quite honestly, the, the area where we were short this past year uh, is, is some scheduling. And when I say that, if you look at the overall strength of schedules uh, in our uh, conference, you know, we need to do a better job as a coaching group of scheduling, uh, you know, better uh, in non-conference games. That's something we've talked about, and I think, you know, some people have gotten away from that a little bit. But the, the thing that, uh, and you know, this is kind of protecting everybody a little bit because it happens to all of us, happens to us. You know, we're making schedules two, three, four years out, and you try to get uh, on schedules 
of teams that, that have good RPIs and that are going to help you, you know, build that resume, well, you could catch them on a down year. Uh, you know, and I can give you a great example. Uh, when we scheduled Miami of Ohio, they'd come off like a 37 and a 40 uh, win season. And they were a very, very good RPI team. And then this year they had uh, four or five major injuries, and none of us can endure that. And so their RPI w- was not great. They, they were a very solid team, very good team. Uh, but, you know, they, they had some struggles based on injuries. So you know, there are a lot of things go into the RPI, uh, some things that I think need to change, uh, some things that, that, uh, that I'm hopeful that the NCAA will look at to try to help uh, make it a little bit, you know, more even playing field, uh, but we have to do our part as a conference and, a, and, and as a coaching group. Dan Hartlib is with us. Uh, the new tr- uh, performance center, the training center, excuse me, for the team and softball as well, uh, close to opening that thing up? Well, we're getting a lot closer. Uh, you know, if you walked in right now, I think it, it besides some you know different things laying around from construction type, situations as far as, uh, you know, man lifts and different things, uh, people would get excited. We have the turf in, we have the padding in, they're working on a lot of the bracketing and bracing uh, for the uh, netting system. It's going to be a very intricate netting system. Uh, and so they're, they're getting all that infrastructure in, per se, and we're in the process of, of actually making the nets, and those will be sent in. So I'm hopeful within the next probably five to seven weeks that we could have everything done and tied up and, and uh, you know, have the punch list done and, and be moving forward uh, where we're not, you know, trying to, to dodge uh, uh, workers and they're not trying to dodge baseball players. So we, we are close and I'm excited. And you mentioned the transfer portal. Uh, obviously, that's a big thing. At this point in the year, do you know your roster for the upcoming season or is there still question marks around that? I, obviously, the draft is, is perhaps – a big impact on that? Yeah, the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we had uh, we had a few guys transfer, and, and there's some guys that that I you know I'm hopeful that they'll be able to go somewhere and and kind of relax a little bit and settle and you know start to have some success. Uh, you know, we didn't have this year. We didn't have any major. Uh, you know, exits as far as some guys that had a lot of experience and were major contributors. Uh, so I'm proud of that. Uh, although, you know, it'll happen uh, at times. Uh, we're still, you know, looking for a couple guys from a position standpoint, possibly pitching. Uh, some of that's going to have to do with, uh, you know, some, some things that have happened injury-wise where we may need to plug a hole for, for a year or two, maybe with a, a transfer, uh, like a junior college-type transfer or maybe even, uh, you know, like a, a one-year graduate type student like we've had in the past couple of years. Uh, so there's a lot of things that are happening. It's, you know, it's crazy the, the things that are happening in our sport. Uh, guys are, are being offered hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to move places. And, uh, had a, a note from someone that said, you know, they heard, and, and this is very accurate information, but, you know, there's someone that's going to be a high draft choice over the next uh, two years, and uh, and this is a high school person. They've been offered uh, over a hundred thousand in a car by by you know a given school, and so it's crazy right now. Um, I I really think a lot of it's out of hand, and and I hope we get a little bit more structure and, and a little bit more regulation. Uh, 
but the fact of the matter is, you know, we, we can sit here and talk all night about what's right and wrong about it. We have to adapt and, and figure out a way to be successful within the parameters and, and then hope we get some regulation where uh, some, some players start you know, staying put at the places that help develop them. Never a dull moment. Well, uh, Dan, enjoy the draft and enjoy what semblance of downtime you get here in the summer. And we'll be uh, checking in with you and things and can't wait to see that new facility when it's all done. Well, I'm looking forward to, to getting that open and, and uh, you know, get some things out uh, you know, via social media and the Internet to, you know, to show the community and, and the scouting world and the recruiting world uh, you know, the facility we have. And, you know, I appreciate, uh, you know, being on and, uh, the, you know, the, the guys right now that are, that are really grinding are, are Adam Christ and, and Mark Allen. You know, they're on the road every single day trying to get the roster uh, you know, straightened out for us and get the right guys in here. So, you know, very, very, very busy summer and, and uh, you know, maybe the most important time throughout the entire year. Thanks a lot, Dan. Be well. Yeah, you too. Thank you. All right, Dan Hartlib there with us. Draft starts on Sunday. And, uh, well, personally from Illinois' standpoint, or from the Illinois baseball standpoint, he said the thing I fear, Justin Janis is probably going to get drafted. Um, And I had forgotten that he is draft eligible because of his age. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even though this, well, shoot, was this his third year? I can't remember because of COVID and all this. this Yeah, actually, this this might have been his third year, but he did only get Two and two and a handful of, of games, but that's that's just kind of how it, it goes. And when he mentioned Campbell too, he was a guy I was thinking during the year, just because he, he can catch the ball so well, and so many organizations are always looking for good catchers. You know, those guys will, will always get scooped up, but uh, sometimes guys don't sign. Sometimes guys want to stay in school. Sometimes they end up in a really good situation as far as pro ball goes, and they're off to the races. But we, we wish them. All the the best yeah. of luck. Let me be clear. It is ultimately a good thing oh, when yeah. any program has players that advance to the pro ranks before they graduate. In terms of in terms of the athletic recruiting ability and what that does for your program long term, but it, it's always a loss in the short term. Well, yeah, and it's so dynamic with baseball. You, you some some guys, you know, Jan is coming off of a, a batting title. He was probably on some guys' radars, but. Guys shoot up boards, guys fall off, guys get injured so often that, that you, you just never really know going into or, or coming out of a season who you're going to have. All right, we have more here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Talk. One thing I did not get to ask Dan Hartlib about, uh, but... Uh, Colin Likas alerted us too. Is uh, Colby? Uh, excuse me, Kobe Miller out of St. Joseph Ogden has been a key player over there, and is apparently going to be the bullpen catcher for Illinois. Oh. And that's one of those roles. You know, nobody knows what who they are, what they do, uh, but they mean everything. Woo. Woo. My knees are not built for that. So yeah, shout out to to anybody who can be a bullpen catcher. All right, uh, the Open Championship is starting tomorrow. At some point tomorrow, we are slated to talk with Rory Spears, so we'll get a little update on that. And um, Matt Fortuna from The Athletic is also to be with us tomorrow. Did you read that information that Cassie Arner kindly passed Thank along to us? Thank you for reminding did me. Did you read it the same way I did, in that they haven't changed colors yet? Okay, 
This is how I understand, and I, I got clarification, and thanks to Cassie Arner from marketing side of DIA. For all of you who's, who are claiming you are seeing different oranges or, or different shade of orange online, it is true. However, be ye not concerned. <laughs> uh, be ye not troubled. Um, Nike colors for the uniforms and other apparel are not changing. Mm-hmm. They're not changing. However, the current DIA orange color, I've never heard of this, yeah. is not ADA compliant in digital uses and some print applications. I would love if somebody could tell me what that means. I understand what not compliant is, but I didn't know a color could not be compliant, y- yeah. that there are ADA standards, and I admit my ignorance on this. Um, but for any of you who would have issues or know people that would have issues when it comes to colors online, I would be curious to know how you become ADA compliant. I suppose I could Google search it, but it's more fun well, if you tell us. Yeah, I mean, the, just the different shades that, that they can see or, or yeah. you know, just kind of like pass along. I suppose there's probably things that, like stoplights, you probably have to think about those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And there's color blindness too, and yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, so... The oranges online have not always been ADA compliant. The university, with collaboration in the DIA, has been in the process of finding an orange in the closest proximity to the orange that is worn Mm. on the uniform and and merchandise you buy. That can be compliant with accessibility testing. Is this making sense so far? Yeah. Okay. While the university hasn't completely adopted and moved all graphics over to the suggested color, the DIA has begun to apply the new color to digital pieces in its new branding messaging campaign. You may have seen it. Hail to the orange. It's all lowercase lettering. Once fully adopted, the DIA and the university will be more aligned in its official colors. So there you go. I was concerned because, again, I, I, I just like the orange that they use. I just like it. It's a nice orange. So then my my conclusion was incorrect in that this is only a digital kind of change, right? Uh yeah, that is correct. So like the the uniforms w- aren't going to necessarily match the orange on the social medias now. I believe that's correct. Okay. Well, they're trying Which to get is, closer. There there are worse things. Oh yeah. That. I I I do think there's going to be a yeah, th- yes, you're right. And because I was talking talking yesterday uh, about matching because I, I'm corny like that and I pay attention to things like that. Well, but no, but oranges, you, you know, not all, all oranges are created equal, as we've discussed <laughs> here. On, and and as Brett Bielma will point out, orange is a, a rare color in yeah. college athletics, except for, you know, Syracuse, Virginia well, Tech, Clemson, a, Just a rare color Miami. in general. I mean, you just look around, there's just never really a whole lot of orange. So, Texas, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very good. So with appreciate Cassie helping us get uh, some clarification on it. So it looks like you're going to be most thrown off online, but you don't have to uh, throw out the shirts or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, with, with, your, your wardrobe is safe. Yeah, back in a moment. Did we just see Lovey Smith on ESPN? We did. NFL head coach Lovey Smith of the Houston Texans. Well, good for him. 
good for him indeed. All right, Cubs and Orioles uh, tonight and the Dodgers and Cardinals. I, I, that's a pretty marquee series. Well, oh. oh Nationally. Definitely. Today. I think they were on national TV last night. That's why Nelly was there, if you, you caught that gif. Um, no. Shout out to the social media people down in St. Louis who tagged the wrong Nelly. But <laughs> I... I, I digress. It's it's big because the Cardinals have to start beating good teams. Yeah. The, the record against teams over 500 is not very good, and now they get arguably the one of the best pitchers in the NL this year in Gonzalez tonight. So we'll see how they can do with that. But you mentioned uh, a, a fringe arm and maybe a bat that the, the Cardinals could add. And I did a, a little unnecessary research. I, I, I've got a trade proposal. Okay. I don't have the prospects coming from the Cardinals because you never really know. But the Cardinals have a pretty good farm system. And they've got some guys at the major league level, although who I'm looking at for them wouldn't take those. I think you go and you get a, a Chad Cool, used to pitch for the Pirates. He's having a really good year with the Rockies. He's just a rental. It, 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 the Cardinals aren't a team that tends to go all in at the trade deadline. So you, you do a yeah. deal with the Rockies that gets you Chad Cool, And how about a bat of Charlie Blackman, left-handed thump, put him out in the outfield, get a little more consistency than a Newt Bar or a Corey Dickerson. I don't think the, the pitcher isn't the, the sexiest pickup, and I don't think it solidifies the rotation, but it gives him a, a good arm and a veteran bat in that lineup that I think could maybe, if you squint, compete with some of those teams in the upper end of the NL. Not a bad idea. Is Blackman still with Colorado? Yeah, he's got a, a year and an option. He's got this year and then a player option. That's not very expensive, but I, I don't know exactly where the Cardinals are going, but they can make some moves. You know, even if they don't make moves, you know they're still going to be fine. They're well, still going to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Because that's just what they good, do. How how good is that? How often do you just want to get in the NLDS? No, I, I mean, mean you're going on over a decade since winning a ship. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Fair. Yeah. So, so you got you got to have standards, expectations. <laughs> Mosaic has said as such to his credit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the when you yeah you toil around where they have for so long, you've got to eventually go all in. All right. We had a fun time today. Lauren Tate and Scott Docterman in hour number one. Dan Hartlett was here with us in hour number two. Evan Kahn. Thank you very much. Joey Wright on the other side helping us out. Do appreciate it. I'm Scott Beatty. Back again tomorrow at 4 on Newstalk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Here come the White Sox.